to another episode of Tory Talks. On today's podcast, Sam and Ian discuss the hot topic of the week, and that's the allegations of bullying by Priti Patel, the plans to scrap the tampon tax, and for International Women's Day, inspirational women in politics. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Tory Talks. I'm Sam Murray. This is I'm Ian Fisher. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Is this really episode three already? It is, yes. Wow. Feels like episode ten. Yeah, it's been a long journey, hasn't it? It has been a journey. <laughs> yep. So um, we are um, thankful for everyone who's been watching, listening and giving us some feedback. Um, we are going to take that on board. So this one is going to be purely uh, national politics. Um, and then we are going to separate the local politics. So for those who are in Suffolk, uh, we will be doing a separate one, Tory Talks uh, Suffolk, to see um, how that will go instead. And that is based on the feedback that we have received. Um, so thank you. Um, we are a coronavirus-free zone today. We are. We've washed our hands. We've sung happy birthday. We've done the elbows hey. and the Wuhan <laughs> shake. I must say, actually, I was at a Conservative Executive Association um, uh, meeting last night. I made a massive point of shaking everybody's hand. Um, uh, there was probably about 20 people there, and there was one person that offered me their elbow. Um, uh, you know, yes, this is a COVID-free zone, but let's put it into perspective. Um, uh, you know, we don't want to change everything. Let's go lead about our normal lives. I want to be able to buy toilet paper in the shops. I want to be able to buy hand wash in the shops. And I want to um are there to, to to be football and rugby events and events that I can go to and watch television, and I want that to be the end of the story. So this is going to be a COVID-free zone for this week because every other news channel you turn it on, all you hear is coronavirus, COVID nineteen, and lots of bad news. And there's lots of other things going on in the world. So what is going on in the world? We're just going to get straight into it. And the um the hot topic that isn't coronavirus related is. Well, it is about a, sm- a politician that apparently is a smirking politician. I believe her name is Pretty Patel. Never heard of her. Who is she? Have you not never heard of her? Where have you been for the last week? Where have you been for the last week? Okay, so um, she is the current Home Secretary, mm-hmm. MP for Whitton in Essex, so only just down the road from yeah. where we are here. I used to work in Whitton, by the way, so she was the MP for the place where I used to work. Um, uh, I've... Uh, Known of, I've actually met her. I don't think I've talked to this. I've actually met her. She opened. Um, uh, we uh, so the company I was working for. She, uh, we did a come. We moved office. Um, uh, and she, we got her in to open our new office. Okay. Um, I, let me. I'm trying to think if this was before she was international development secretary. I think it very well might have been. So this is when she was just a just just I say just an MP rather than being a cabinet minister. Mm. Um, uh, I must admit, found her very um. Uh, open easy to talk to yeah. and um uh, yeah that's my i'm not saying it's my claim to fame at all i've met pretty patel but certainly she has been the butt of most news um uh political news this week mm-hmm. um what's your take on it um i've not met pretty so one of the very few i haven't met um i well i think it's absolutely ridiculous um everyone that i've spoken to who has either worked with her or met her, or is a staffer in Westminster, who's you know known of her. Um, they they haven't got a bad word to say about her, um, and so this constant um, accusations. Basically, she's been accused of of bullying um, a senior uh, 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 
civil servant. Civil servant, that's, that's the word. <laughs> um, has resigned and um, made this public statement outside a toilet <laughs> um, to tell Probably everyone. Probably just after he'd washed his hands. Uh, to tell everyone why he's resigned and how he's been bullied out of it by Pretty Patel. Um, and it was all a bit of a show. I must say, um, I think this this whole incident reminds me a lot of the Brexit debate. Um, one of the okay. issues about the Brexit debate was that what people class as the establishment were against Brexit. Mm. Um, they didn't want it to happen. Uh, and so, you know, although Brexit's happened now, we had to have an election to get Brexit done. Um, uh, we should have been at this stage maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, uh, now, undoubtedly, there was parts of the civil service that didn't want Brexit to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the same as what we're facing now. Pretty Patel's come in, this Conservative government with its own quite large majority has come in yeah. and has put some very strong, tough policies down. Yeah. Um, and my own thoughts are that perhaps this is perhaps a bit of a retaliation for those tough policies. Um, I'm not too sure what you may think of the tough policies. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, two, there's two major things. There's obviously the points-based um, immigration um, policy that she wants to to put out there but she's been very very firm on the Rotherham scandal as well she wants the details released um something doesn't feel right about this and i'm I, normally i think right let's see how this plays out um if someone accuses someone of bullying let's go through due process and we'll see how it how it plays out but to me it feels like these are two really big subjects that the um there is something along the way that they don't necessarily want to be published and all of a sudden out of nowhere she's a bully um she's driven people to you know having to, to leave their jobs and it's a you know it's, it's a, a distraction from really serious issues that that she wants to address and she's an incredibly strong woman she comes across that way she's one of my current idols i absolutely adore her um, Watch out, pretty Patel. If you want, <laughs> if you're one of Sam's idols, she oh, did. She did. You. She did sniff Andrea Ledson, by the way. So uh, there you go. Um, uh, no, you, no, no, you aren't ever going to live that down. Um, so, do you think the this is a kind of like concerted effort by the civil service to kick back against conservative policy? I think it's a, they're they're not really understanding their place in this. And this is, you know, they want to have control over it. And, I, and also, I think it's very interesting that the media seems to be in support of them and um, assuming that she's guilty of, of her crime. Uh, All the media or just sections of the media? I, well, what I've seen is the, the bulk of the media, not necessarily uh, the, the right-leaning, um, though we don't seem to have many of that. And it is the assumption that, well, the civil service is there and they're respected and, and all this, and she's this... We don't seem to have that same respect for Dominic Cummings, you know. And so it's you know we either we either respect our elected officials and our our MPs that are in this case Preti Patel, or we it just there's a bit of hypocrisy. Do you know? Do you see where I'm coming? From yeah, I this? mean, I, I do. My my take on this is slightly different. I mean, the the civil service and the Home Secretary have had a rough 
not necessarily the current Home Secretary, mm. the role of Home Secretary, but probably had quite a rough uh, relationship for decades. Mm. It seems to me to be the department that uh, rails against its political masters more than it, more than any other department. Agreed. Pretty Patel is certainly not the first Home Secretary in the past 20 or 30 years to be described as difficult by the um, uh, by the civil service. Um, but who did the civil service work for? Who does number two work for? Number two works for number one. Who is number one? This is the, this is, this this is the this goes to the heart of the debate. Um, now, for most of you out there, most people listening to this will probably remember. Yes, Prime Minister and yes, Minister. Maybe you're a little bit too young. You may have seen it on UK Gold. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This reminds me, you may have seen this on social media, this reminds me very much of a particular um, scene from Yes, Prime Minister, where um, the civil servants are talking about the fact that there's a strong minister who's got their own mind mm -hmm. and who wants to enact policies that maybe they don't think. And they go... Uh, and basically, the, the, the part of the um, uh, sketch is uh, the head of the civil service, who's the cabinet secretary of the time, turning round to one of his juniors and saying, this is time for an SR. And what an SR is, is a strategic resignation. This isn't the first time um, uh, that a quite high-profile member of the civil service has resigned. Mm. Um, because they think they'll get their own way. Um, part of me is worried that... This is labelled as the establishment uh, of which the civil service is a part of and the establishment against the government. Part of me likes that um, uh, rhetoric because for many, many years, I suppose conservatives were considered part of the establishment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so it's not necessarily a bad thing that we're not considered that now. Um, but... I suppose my biggest take on it is, and having dealt with quite, through my work, having dealt with quite a lot of disciplinaries that involve bullying, mm. um, uh, you know, the first you hear of a bullying accusation isn't usually somebody appearing on national television telling the whole country about the allegations, yeah. rather than them going to, uh, you know, this guy could have gone to the cabinet secretary, he could have gone to the Prime Minister. There are a number of places where this guy, Sir Philip Putnam, Rutland, whatever his name is, could have gone other than the BBC. And that's is why it... it's so strange. It's such a strange way of doing this. And and also, where is Pretty Patel's protection here as well? Is you know She's been accused of something. Now, well, many people have been in a situation where they've been accused of something. She should have the right to defend herself, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't have got to that stage where actually, before you've gone through the due process, you're standing in front of the media. Well, I don't actually think she's actually been accused of much. She hasn't actually been accused of much. You have to ask yourself: um, uh, making an allegation on a national news channel is not actually is not actually making a complaint. You can say what you like on the news channel. Did this guy? It has actually come out um, in the last couple of days that he has put in a bullying claim mm. against Pretty Patel, which will then be um, uh, looked at in the same way as any bullying claim will be looked at. Um, uh, my horror on anything like this is that all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, come all these other people that apparently have got 
um, uh, mm. uh, an issue or a claim against Priti Patel. Some of these date back years. Mm. Um, it's no surprise that um, uh, the Labour Party have got their hands in this. Let's face it, um, uh, the civil service is known to be left-leaning um, and has done for many, for, for, for many, many years. Um, it's no surprise that there seems to be a lot of communication between the Labour Party and the civil service yeah. surrounding some of these claims. It's no surprise that um, uh, claims are coming now. Personally speaking, and this is not just Pretty Patel, I don't give any credence to anybody that comes up with something and said, oh, this happened to me years ago. Because if it was serious enough that that person wanted, then that person should have dealt with it there and then. And I'm not going to be listening. I don't want to even listen to historic claims of Pretty Patel bullying, because if they were bad, they should have been heard there and then. Mm. Um, uh, let's not forget that two weeks prior to this happening, Pretty Patel, and this has almost been forgotten about, was actually alleging bullying in reverse. Yeah. She was saying that the um uh, the civil service were almost bullying her in the way they in, in the way they were dealing with her. So all of a sudden this has now been turned round. Well this is um, how I see it is she's been bullied and she's you know it's the flip side and you saw um uh, uh, Jeremy Corbyn also put his dig in. There's there's banter and then there's you know there's So who? <laughs> you know that that old boy, Magic that, Grandpa. He's yeah, still yeah. around. He's still around oh, at the okay. moment. Sorry, yeah. I, I, I hadn't I hadn't seen or heard from him for and a while. He I with, thought he disappeared. But do you know what I'm enjoying about this? I'm enjoying the process about it. I like the fact the Conservative Party are, have clearly have her back on this, and the Prime Minister has said I support her on this, and she's got my back. And associations are coming out and saying, you know, we support her as well because actually this. We, it has to go through the process, but too many times you see in politics people just being thrown to the to the walls and right. It's too too much. It's too much drama. We're just going to get rid of you. And in the past, maybe when we didn't have so much of a majority, she may have had to have resigned there and then. You know, before we'd even gone through this. I don't want her to resign. I want her to stay put. I think she's incredible, and um, we'll see what the accusation may. But it is really reassuring uh, for for me. And at times, I think don't really like politics in a way even though I'm completely obsessed by it um to see that people have got her back and the prime minister is standing by her on that yeah well people have got her back the right people have got her back yeah. um, uh, Boris Johnson's obviously come out and publicly supported her but let's not let's not get away from what this actually is all about and it's about enacting policies that the conservative party um, uh, have got a mandate to enact. Yeah, the people vote. Um, and that doesn't happen a lot, and it certainly hasn't happened a lot recently. Um, uh, we've got an, a massive majority, or massive in um, uh, modern times mm -hmm. anyway. Um, uh, the policies which she's trying to enact were central, core points in our manifesto, an immigration points-based system, um, uh, extra police funding. Yeah. Um, uh, these are things that um, the Conservative Party were voted in on and much the same way that for the last two or three years we've heard conservative politician after conservative politician saying we want to respect the vote we're talking about brexit we want to respect the will of the people mm. that's what we're doing now and i don't want it to be an us and them but the civil service must remember 
And yeah. I know we're not talking lo local politics today, but this is much how local politics works as well. Um, uh, the civil service have got to remember that they are there to carry out um, uh, the wishes of the elected politicians. And that's much the same as any council as well. Mm -hmm. Council officers probably have too much power sometimes and they rail back against things that their political masters want because they believe they know more. Mm. Well, do you know what? They might know more. They probably do know more. They are more skilled in that, but that's not how our politics works. Our politics works by democracy. A party comes out, has a manifesto, says what it wants to do. Um, uh, people vote on it. Now, realistically, just because some people that have study this in university or been working in a department for 20 years if they don't think it's right well they get one vote the same as everybody else mm. their their opinion isn't worth more than my opinion or anybody else's opinion so the civil service needs to understand that they are there to enact what elected politicians say and this to me this is the brexit argument all well, over exactly again what I was and there will be one winner there will be one winner, and the winner will be the people. And although I hate these terms, the People's Parliament, the People's Assembly, the People's this, that, or something else, it's true. Mm. Pretty Patel is the Home Secretary of the people, and I think she's got more public support now yeah. than she had before this started. And all this is doing is playing into our own hands. This can run on forever, as far as I'm concerned, because the more this runs on the more it isn't us and them. Hmm. And that suits our agenda at the moment. Yeah, and absolutely. And the Conservative Party has adapted. Um, you know, we, we did the People's Prime Minister and this is, we are adapting because actually we have become the party that are the defenders of democracy. And we have done since Brexit. So this is going way beyond Pretty Patel and the bush, um, bullying uh, uh, accusations. And this is about can we restore democracy once more? Well, it is. And yeah. this, this is what democracy is all about. Will be interesting to see how it pans out. Mm. Um, uh, I'm quite pleased that we have, uh, when I say we, I mean the Conservatives, um, uh, we've enacted an, an independent inquiry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I just love the fact that Labour Party say that it's not an independent inquiry, but it's being run by the Cabinet Office Secretary, who's yeah. a civil servant. So, yeah, you're right, it's probably not independent. It, it's probably not independent against the Conservatives. Yeah. You've got Labour saying it should be independent, it should be independent. It is. Yeah. It's being run by the civil service, which are supposed to be independent. But considering one of the people in this inquiry is a civil servant, then maybe it should be run by somebody different. But I've got faith that it will be run correctly. And I've got faith that right will see through. Mm. And that um, uh, regardless, these policies are going to be enacted. I hope that it's Pretty Patel to enact these policies. Me too, yeah. But if not, it will be another successful Conservative Home Office, Home Secretary that does this. Mm. But that's the main thing. Pretty Patel, strong woman, and I think a lot of people are scared still of strong women. Absolutely. And actually, it couldn't come up at a better time because, do you know what tomorrow is? I do know what tomorrow is actually. <laughs> strangely enough, strangely enough, no, no, it's not because of you. Um, uh, I know tomorrow is International Women's Day, um, uh, and the reason I know that is because it's actually quite big. In it's a lot bigger in other countries than it is here. Yeah. And because I used to work with a lot of 
uh, people from Poland, Czech Republic, whatever. Mm -hmm. It was them that introduced me to the fact that it was International Women's Day. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's quite big over there, so I'm not as clued up on it as some people, but I am aware that it's happening. Yeah, so tomorrow is International Women's Day, so to, uh, the date of recording this is the uh, 7th of March. Um, and uh, so today there has been an announcement that will be great for women and uh, to help us with uh, further championing equality, and that is scrapping tampon tax. So that's going to be coming up in the budget. Um, now, people say, well, it doesn't save you a great deal of money. It's probably about 40 to £80 pounds, um, in your lifetime, but it's the principle of the thing. So I'm happy that tampon tax is being scrapped. It was never a luxury item, um, and it, it proves that, you know, we couldn't have done that had we not have left the European Union. But we still didn't need to do that. And so it is, again, a, the Conservatives who are champion women and equality and have taken that product, those products and realising that we don't have a choice of using them. And so it is unfair to tax that. And so I'm really happy to see that. That was announced today. And it is. I know it's a little policy, but it matters. Well, it's a policy of, funnily enough, which is not as important to me as it is to you. Tell us the I see this more as a principal thing. Mm -hmm. The thing that excites me most about it is the fact that this is the first identifier. To me, this is the first identifier that we've left the European Union. We proposed this scrapping of the tampon tax a few years ago. Yeah. And we were stopped doing it mm. by the European Union. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so to me, it's significant in more than one way. Mm. Yes, it's significant in for all the reasons you've just spoken about, but to me it's significant because it shows that now we're we're getting our sovereignty so, sovereignty back. <laughs> we're beginning to enact rules and laws that we could never have done before. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is a small one and it is a small start, but it shows you that we're now in control of our own destiny. And to me, that's far more important than saving a few pence on women's sanitary products. Mm. And that, but that's not me demeaning that. That's yeah. just me saying I actually think this is a this is a part of a bigger thing. It's part of a look. We're a responsible, mature country that can make our own decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I cannot believe that it was it, it was even taxed in the first place it was just like you know you, you look and especially when it comes to international women's day you look at how far we've come as a country um and you know i need to to mention uh, the first ever sitting um female mp and that was just over 100 years ago um nancy astor um fantastic um, snippets from uh, the uh, speaker of the house do you do you want not speaker of the house um jeffrey's mog um, I'm not as political geeky as you. Well, again, I'm obsessed with Mog, um, so I watch his. He did this fantastic piece about Nancy uh, Astor. She wasn't the first um, elected female MP. Um, that was um, a Sinn Féin um, woman, but because she refused to, to, to sit, um, Nancy Astor was the, uh, the first female uh, MP to sit, um, and um, that was 100 years ago. So um, we could even run a competition here. Do you know the name of the first sitting, uh, the first elected MP? And can you pronounce it? No. <laughs> That's <laughs> why I, I know her I first name is Constance. I think you'll find 
That's why you didn't say it in the first yeah. place, because you were worried that you might get it wrong. I knew I'd get it wrong, and also I've got braces, so my speech isn't, I'm totally blaming the braces, my speech is a little bit off today as well. Um, but yeah, so, you know, a hundred years, she was the first one. The first thing she did was come in and start complaining about the age of alcohol and how we can have, um, uh, I think it was at age 14, uh, you were able to purchase and, 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 um, uh, and consume alcohol. She was known as a difficult woman, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and she she ploughed through that. And the laws that we have today around alcohol is is still that law that she the first thing she did uh, was come into it. Uh, she won a by election. She um, stood for seven elections and won those until she stood down in uh, nineteen thirty five. But also she was the first one. By the time she left, there were twenty four other women in Parliament. Um, and you won't find this interesting, but I find this interesting. This all came about when uh, women were allowed to stand for the first time, but also that women over the age of 30 were allowed to vote. And um, and she received a high proportion of, of female vote. Uh, eventually, the party that she was part of became the Conservative Party. And we've always had a reputation until 2015 that we received more... The females voted more for Conservative than they did of any other party. And so up until 2015, we relied on the female vote. And I don't think as Conservatives, we necessarily appreciate that the party is the party of, the, of, of women, of females, and of, of equal opportunity as well. But women get that and see that, and that that's why they supported us until 15. I'm, I'm glad you just used those words, equal opportunity, because I, I have a slightly different take than you maybe on this um being slightly older than you slightly um uh, i was brought up when my my interest in politics first came around when margaret thatcher was Mm -hmm. the prime minister so when and i was quite young um so i was probably margaret thatcher was the prime minister we had the queen as our um, head of state this Um, this uh, lady here that lady that lady (laughs) um uh, now i'll be honest I was brought up, um, uh, no sympathy here, my mum and dad spoke when I was very young, so I was brought up by strong women. Mm. Um, there were times in my house where I got an older sister, brought up by my mum, my nana lived around um, uh, our house as well, um, on the television was Margaret Thatcher. I didn't necessarily grow up thinking that there was any kind of issue with the genders because I was just brought up in a very female dominated Mm. environment so I probably don't see things the same way as some others do because although some people won't believe this of me you know I don't necessarily see gender as much as perhaps some other people do because um I'm used to I can remember I can't remember which two television presenters it was or whether it was even David Cameron talking about um pink jobs and blue jobs um okay yeah you know, and I know it's slightly off topic but that <laughs> that's never been the case where I've lived yeah because if you live in a house where it's only you're only being brought up by females there are no pink jobs or blue jobs there are just jobs mm. and um uh, I suppose I've always been brought up like that that there aren't any male jobs female jobs things that women can do things that men can do there are just jobs that people can do Mm. and um i know my outlook is different to the way society actually works so um yeah it is good that we're actually now celebrating in this country international women's day Mm. um uh 
and I am still shocked, really, that across the world, not just in this country, that across the world there hasn't been as perhaps as much females in positions of power as what um, uh, there should have been. Mm. Um, uh, and whether that's because they've not put themselves forward or there's people around against it, I'm not, I'm not too sure. But it's certainly good now to see that there is better representation than what there, I think, than what there has been ever before. But when you look at representation, when you say better representation, in my mind, I don't necessarily think of quotas and 50-50. I think of the quality in which we've, we've got, and that's the difference, I guess, between us and Labour, is we don't look at the numbers. So um, Labour actually at the moment, so in 20, 2019 uh, election, um, they have 51% of their MPs are women. Now some people would say, what an achievement, they've, they've reached equality here. We don't, we have, we have significantly lower. However, the quality of the women coming through, and we've always produced quality women, I believe, and that's why we've seen the first female Prime Minister, the second female Prime Minister, coming through the conservative way of best person for the job instead of just looking at what their gender is. And that's why we're producing quality women instead of the quantity. So it's, it's how, how do you interpret that? You know, is it about quotas? Is it about numbers? Or well, is it about well, well again, I don't... You see, again, this is, this is about identity. Mm. And, again, although people that know me might think this is a strange thing for me to say because they won't necessarily believe it, I don't see the identity. Um, uh, male, female... Christian, Muslim, black, white, I don't necessarily see it. If I go to a meeting and I'm there to elect somebody, I listen to what they've got to say. I've got to choose between that one and that one. Um, uh, I listen to what they say. I see how they resonate with me and I'll vote for whichever one resonates with me the most. I couldn't care less what mm. they are. Um, uh, I do think, I mean, I'm totally against all women shortlists. Yeah. The same way as I would be against all anything shortlists. Mm. Oh, if we've got a lack of a certain particular group, then I don't believe we should be promoting them through having only that group on a shortlist. Um, one of the things about conservatism that I really like is that there's an equal opportunity for all. Mm. Um, and, you know, if that means that we only have... A small percentage of people from a certain group, whether that be male, female, of different racial groups, then so be it. Mm. It's knowing that all of those people have had the opportunity to shine within the Conservative Party, rather than, and this is where I think Labour does themselves a disservice. If it, my personal opinion on shortlists and on all women shortlists and things like that is that when somebody does eventually in Labour, and I don't know when it's going to happen, certainly not going to happen in this. Um, a leadership election which does look like Starmer's going to win. Yeah. Um, but when eventually Labour do have a woman in charge, of course Labour supporters can say, yes, best person for the job. But are the rest of us going to be saying, oh, she's only there because she was given an all-woman shortlist? And that's the problem. I don't think it does... It almost tells women that they're not good enough to, to, to um, uh, achieve by themselves. Yeah. They need to have a rigged playing field to be able to achieve. And that's rubbish. That's... So old-fashioned. And that's why, you know, we need to remember people like Nancy and, and uh, Maggie Thatcher um, uh, because they weren't given those 
you know, all women shortlist, and they still manage to climb up the ranks, and they still manage to be the first, and then Theresa May the second, um, and it's just about being good enough for the job. Um, so question, Jess Phillips said that Keir Starmer, I believe it was Jess Phillips, wasn't it? He should pass the mic over, step back, allow them to experience. Is this is this Jess Phillips who had to withdraw from the leadership contest because she didn't have any um, hardly anybody that even supported her? Correct. Okay. What do you make of that comment? Well, I'll be honest with you. I tend to ignore everything that Jess Phillips says. Um, uh, I think she's the least suitable person to be an MP. She's just a shouty person that's got a bit of an anger issue um, and has got a massive chip on her shoulder. I think when she walks in the room, probably the whole room smells of vinegar. Um, uh, look, so no, I, I don't agree anything that Jess Phillips says. Um, uh, of course not. If Keir Starmer wins the race to be the Labour leader, personally, I hope Rebecca Long-Bailey wins, because if Rebecca Long-Bailey wins, um, uh, uh, wins the election, then us Conservatives are going to be in power forever. Um, uh, if Keir Starmer wins, he's won because the most... Labour groups, and it's a very strange way they do their election. I mean, some mm -hmm. people end up having about 10 votes because they vote through their constituency party, they vote because they're a councillor, they vote because they're a member of this and a member of that, and then they're in a union. Very strange. Surely our way, the Conservative way, one member, one vote. It's probably why ours didn't last anywhere near as long as well, this. This has been um, going on for a year, hasn't it? But um, if Keir Starmer does end up winning, it's because he's the best candidate in the eyes of the Labour people that vote for him. Uh, should he pass that buck on? Um, uh, because to me, that's taking this whole equality to the wrong level. That's saying that men aren't equal to women. You won in a fair race, but you've got to give it to a woman. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not equality. But some people argue that, OK, well, we might not necessarily get the, the best quality people in, but if we have 50-50, then eventually people will be inspired to become MPs or what have you, or women will apply for these roles, and therefore eventually you'll get good quality women in. That okay. argument makes me actually feel a little bit sick, because I would hate to be one of those good quality women, and I'd like to think I would be one, sitting there with someone who isn't as good as me and has all been seen by the men in the room as only there to reach a quota. Nobody's ever going to take me seriously. It's it's a horrendous argument and I just I, I feel uncomfortable and I feel the need to say that as a woman that I don't agree with that argument. Well, I don't... I mean, funnily enough, because I'm not that up on Labour Party history, I think it was Tony Blair, um, or under Tony Blair's leadership, where the first all-women shortlists came in. Mm. Okay. Um, so it's been for a while. Labour have had all women shortlists for some time now. You mentioned, I didn't know this, but you mentioned, I think you said 51% of their MPs are women, did you? Yeah, I believe so, um, yeah. It seems like a very contrived number to me. But so they've had this policy for a while, women only shortlists. You name me more than two good, strong, female MPs within Labour at the moment that have managed to rise to the top because of women only shortlists and I struggle. Mm. Now look at some of the women that are in the shadow cabinet and there's one perfect example of somebody that has been promoted purely 
because of identity. Mm -hmm. Because they tick the box of being female. They tick the box, the box of being bang, which is a word I hate using. It's not Diane Abbott. That's not who I'm talking about. Don't want to be accused of um, jumping on the let's have a go at Diane Abbott bandwagon. It's, it's Dawn Butler, mm. who has got to be one of the most useless MPs I have ever, ever heard. Anybody that watches PMQs just see that she's like a nodding dog. She just sits there next to Jeremy Corbyn down. She never actually says anything. I don't think anybody's ever heard her say anything half intelligent. She is somebody that's been promoted through the Labour ranks purely because of what she is. Yeah. Not, not, not who she is. And there, and there are plenty of candidates within the Labour movement that should be sitting where she's sitting, mm. but they're not because they don't tick an identity box. Um, so all women shortlists, rubbish. The same way as all men shortlists would be better. They shouldn't be all anything. No. Um, uh, quality and talent should rise to the top in any organisation, in any walk of life. And I think if you have an all shortness of anything, until you just stop that happening. Mm. However, because I think we should wrap this up, um, I do actually want to say something that you don't you don't know I'm going to say. Um, that when you join the party, it can be incredibly uh, intimidating. It's like going to church for the first time when you step in. And if you go into an environment where you are a minority, and whether that's because of your your background, your finances, your your gender you can have a lot of self-doubt and women are very different creatures that's why there's the ask her to stand campaign because women generally need to be asked they're not as punchy as men are and i'm going to go and get it and um so when i walked in and i very much have always wanted to be involved in politics i was instantly terrified <laughs> and that was because i didn't know anything i didn't know all the jargon and we were straight campaigning my first campaign experience was with the home secretary and i'd never been um campaigning before and so there was one man can i just stop you there so your, your first campaigning experience was with the home secretary mm. and who was that home secretary Amber Rudd. there you go then but, but it was that was just saying because it was another strong woman yeah another strong woman but in order for us to get equality we need to be seen as equal by everyone and there was one particular man who saw that I needed a little bit of guidance and then helped me along the way. And that was you. Oh, thank you very much. And I was at that um, stage where I was probably going to run away. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think necessarily that's to do with women, um, uh, necessarily. Because again, like I said to you, I see things slightly differently from, uh, from most people. Um, it's not just as a woman that, that, that you feel like that. So I'm, um, I'm from a very working class background. Um, was brought up in a council house, in a single parent family. Mm -hmm. um, now, although I live in Ipswich, um, uh, I'm not part of the Ipswich Association because of the, the area of Ipswich that I live. I'm in Central Suffolk and North Ipswich Conservative mm -hmm. Association. So my first um, uh, kind of baptism to a Conservative meeting was in a rural constituency that is known for being quite a well-off area I was possibly the only person in the room that didn't have land and stables. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> so real stereotypical. <laughs> was true. Um, uh, I mean, I, I, I've got it now because I've, I've got my coloured chinos on now, which you probably can't see there. <laughs> I think the room was just a mixture of red chinos, braces and tweed jackets. Tweed, yeah. Um, there was a lot of tweed there. Um, uh, but it's about how confident you are in your own abilities. And I think that, you know, that's what we, that's what we should promote. 
people to be confident in their own abilities regardless of who they are what they can do um, uh, or what identity boxes I can mm. tip along the way if somebody's got the enthusiasm for it then we should welcome them with open arms regardless of who they are and that is why you are important to me <laughs> because you don't see the gender you don't see the negative you just think okay this is a person with ability and throughout the process in the last few years you've been a great support system to me and so for and i don't really want to go down that identity thing but in order for women to succeed they need a support system around them just like anyone else and for and you have been my support system and so for international women's day i would like to thank a man that's in my life that's helped this woman <laughs> get where she is which is not very far actually so you're not doing a very good job <laughs> i'll take that compliment <laughs> I, 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 i'll always take a compliment yeah. um well it is International Women's Day, um, uh, so you know we should celebrate everything that women bring to the table. Um, uh, but I would say as well that let's not forget that um, you know we all need strong women in our lives. Um, sometimes we don't necessarily think that, um, but they do bring something different to the table than men do. And however much I'd like to think that everybody's the same, and I see people, everybody, and I see everybody as the same. I do know that different groups, different identities of people do have slightly different takes on things. Mm. The more inclusive we are as a party, um, uh, the better it will be ongoing. But the more inclusive we are as a society, the better it will be. And if one thing, I know I said it was going to be a coronavirus free zone today, but if one thing can come, one good thing can come of this is the fact that people realise that the world's a lot smaller place than people think it is and we're a lot more interlinked mm. than people think they were before and what happens in a country in Africa or a country in Asia or to a woman in Indonesia affects what happens in the UK on a day-to-day -day basis and perhaps that might just have the effect of making people work better together for a common good. It seems to me at the moment that the, the world scientists are all working towards the common goal of some kind of uh, cure, um, uh, some kind of uh, thing we can have to, pro to protect us from coronavirus, much the same as there's a, fl a, a flu vaccine. Mm. Um, and they're working together to get this. Now, Let's actually take something from this. When this is all over, because as a human race, we will beat it. Mm -hmm. Once it's all over, if we can take from it the ability that we're actually, we're all the same. We're all um, uh, uh, suffer from the same problems and issues. And what goes on in one country can affect what goes on in another. Let's take that away from this. And then perhaps we won't have the need for International Women's Day or International Men's Day or International Anything Day. Because we all look at each other in a bit more of an equal way. Wow, that was pretty deep. Right. Well you. done. So I think we should probably end it there because I don't think I can uh, I can match that. She's so. gonna cry. <laughs> so emotional. So uh, thank you so much for listening and watching. And um, the next episode will be a local one, um, and then we will we will do it on rotation. So Tory talks local, and then back to the national politics. Unless something drastic happens next week, it will probably be purely local. Something drastic happens in politics most weeks. Well, yeah, I don't know why I said that, because yeah. a week's a long time in politics. Exactly. It is. <laughs> All right. 